Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. As always, look at beautiful Venice Beach, California, quickly becoming a real hub for the cannabis industry uh, and entrepreneurship in general. Um, we got a great episode this week. We have Joyce of Big Rock. Uh, she's a mover and a shaker in this industry. She's done a lot of investments, uh, mostly on the consumer brand side. They have a deep food and restaurant connections thanks to their other partner, Mike. It's a great conversation. We get into a lot of deep topics about how the weed industry is really struggling right now and uh, how to survive and what it looks like from the investor side. Um, fascinating, fascinating conversation. If you are operating um, a cannabis business and having a hard time today, I learned a ton. You're gonna learn a ton. Tune in, listen up. Get acquainted. Go be. Joyce, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you Here for having me. Finally. Set. I mean, we've known each other, I don't know, four years? Yeah. Five like three years? Three and a half, four. And in weed like that. years, that's 167 years. Mm -hmm. So, but anyway, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I know I had to cancel a bunch of times. I got sick. I'm sure I did. The, the most the most interesting reason that I missed was because our group had our final hearing for our permit that I'll talk about that we got. Oh, in well, Sonoma that's great. County. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much of an introduction you need. I think most people in this industry know who you are at this point. You Aww. speak on a lot of things and you got some of the money. So people tend to pay attention to those that have the money. But you have an interesting model. Yes. which we're going to talk about a little bit. But you will explain it better than I do. Let's just start with what's Big Rock? Big Rock. Um, so Big Rock, first of all, was started by a, a guy from Little Rock, Arkansas. So a lot of okay. people ask why the Big Rock. And we often get confused. People say Black Rock all the time, and it's awesome when they say that. You know. Yeah, that's I, a nice slip. Yeah, we will definitely you know, aspire to someday be that big. Um, but yeah, so Big Rock started as a family office um, from a... Um, an individual named Mike Harden and, and his family, um, his wife Shauna and him are both, you know, very immersed in, in the industry and really interested in, you know, sort of seeing the ships rise. And um, his background is um, he had run a hedge fund and a venture firm for over 15 years. Um, and so... And technology stuff. Mostly, technology right? and biotech. Um, so they, you know, they had some significant exits and names that, you know, your listeners would be very familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um but couldn't sort of take their fund as, as many, you know, more, uh, traditional leaning funds that, you know, maybe have some institutional capital in them, uh, can't, you know, directly invest in cannabis. Um, he started to invest kind of through his family office. Um, and the family office preceded the cannabis investment. So, um, he had been investing in hospitality, food tech, media. Um, so we, we've got a lot of names that folks in the Bay Area would be really familiar with. Like, So I wonder how that original conversation went. Like, hey, guys, I think we should do weed. <laughs> right? Because yeah. like at some point there was a dinner yeah. and he was like, hey, I know we've done all this like other stuff, but what about weed? You know? Yeah. Well, the... The culmination of our group is folks that actually are consumers and yeah. really, you know, care about cannabis and love cannabis and, but didn't. How relevant is that today? There's so many people, I won't name any names, private equity, New York people, sure. suits, middle-aged white men. And they're like, yeah, I don't smoke. And I'm like, well, good. Like, I get it. You can be in the business, but how relevant is that today? Like, does that matter to it's you? It's a really good question. Um, it matters to us to the extent that if we are a significant co-investor alongside a company, there needs to be some sort of, you know, strategic alignment. And sometimes that is, hey, we're the more OG kind of focused mm -hmm. investors and, you know, it's good to sprinkle in a little bit of New York. And in other scenarios, it may you know, depending on what the company is, I would say that the the former would work for like a technology company but if it's a true cannabis company you know yeah. with a vertically integrated a lot of plant touching stuff or like how about on, like a brand they you know? may actually yeah. kind of you know get to a position where certain things happen you know compliance being what it is and everything being a little bit of a cluster um in terms of the path forward like there's a little bit more forgiveness i think from those of us that actually 
you know, have, I mean, so I operated a cannabis business. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I just, I, I, I have a little bit more patience and understanding. So I guess on the side of like the investee and the investor, we find that folks that are really just hands out open to any money and not asking questions about where that money are coming from. Um, maybe we have a little pause there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not to say that we're not open-minded about folks that maybe haven't had a history in the industry, you know, putting capital into it, but you got to at least have the conversation sort of understand the intentions. Mm-hmm. So you have Mike in the LPs. Yeah. Sounds like a band, right? Yeah. So, so big Mike rock, you know, LP. started out of family office, but now we've, we've kind of evolved and, uh, we were placing direct bets. We wanted to really get to know the space and have like an integrity focused position mm-hmm. to our LPs um, and not just, hey, we wrote a paper or, you know, we did a little research, but hey, we really, we really got our hands dirty. And so we did that for about three years. He hired me to kind of help him. First, I, I was hired to work for his first target portfolio company, okay. um, Constance Therapeutics. And then um, we kind of helped. Uh, you know, well, we've talked about having on the show. From oh, really? time to time. Yeah, yeah, sure. She's a character, right? She's she's quite a character. Yeah. Yeah. So she uh behind our our um investment, she um we helped her land a series B lead mm-hmm. and um kind of helped clean that up and then as Big Rock was deploying more capital, it became clear that there was an opportunity and so I was kind of, you know, reabsorbed back into the company and and I've I've put a little bit of capital to work myself and and now you know, and then people were following us into deals. So, you know, a big rock check would be worth, you know, two, three times our value just mm-hmm. because investors were interested in what we were looking at. And there was no formal syndicate at that point, right? It was just, yeah, we're following you. Yeah. We like what you do. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And, and we were happy to, you know, sort of pay that forward. And then this past year we started to do SPVs and, um, this was all kind of you know, trying to culminate, you know, the decision for Mike, whether or not he wanted to be full, fully engaged in cannabis. And, um, he made the decision, um, this, this, these last couple of months that he does. And so he's now full time. Well, that's gotta be a cool feeling. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, and sort of like vindicating in a way, like, I I know you guys don't use these words, but like, he's your boss in so many words. Right. And like for him to be like, what you're doing is dope. I'm going to do this full time. Like, that's cool. Yeah. That's a compliment to you for sure. Thanks. Um, Okay, so let's talk about this structure because I think there's a lot of people that are confused by this, right? Yeah. Um, how do you best describe how Big Rock differs from Poseidon? Sure. Um, so Poseidon has a formal a formal fund, and essentially they've you know organized their um, their funds such that, I mean, they may do independent, you know, smaller checks, um, into companies if they like them direct, but for the most part, you know, they've set up a, a fund thesis. Um, you know, they launched their first fund in I think 2015 and mm-hmm. now they're on okay. fund two. Um, and so basically, you know, within a fund structure, uh, there's, you know, the IR, the investor relations to the LPs, and then there's the, the deal flow, uh, business development to the companies. Um, so these funds are essentially set up that, um, you know, it's, it's really important for them to, you know, have a thesis and have follow along capital available. So when you do an investment in a company, you know, you're usually going to, um, follow capital behind that. So if you're in a earlier round, you're likely going to follow them for at least one additional, if not two or more rounds. Um, and you know, there's a lot of great funds out there. Um, I think in general in cannabis, the minimums, um, for certain organizations are pretty high. Um, you know, half a million is pretty common, sometimes a million, mm-hmm. sometimes two fifty. I'm not specifically speaking to Poseidon, but just, yeah. you know, two groups. No, they've written some of those checks for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. they're a little well, bigger I mean, from, today. From their yeah. LPs and then, right. you know, yeah. out to the companies, you know, it, it probably anywhere from 500,000 up to, you know, five, 10 million, um, mm-hmm. from, mm-hmm. from some of the bigger funds. And so, you know, looking for companies that actually are healthy enough and that actually have, you know, enough, uh, cash flow to, to be able to write that size check is a small percentage of the industry. Um, and, and so for us, you know, from the venture mindset, um, you know, Mike kind of came from a place where he was functioning as family office towards a lot of hospitality deals. Mm -hmm. And then his venture firm was focused on tech and biotech, which were slightly 
bigger checks, but, but, you know, entrepreneurs in some cases that, you know, maybe only had two or three employees. Um, so we're, we're really interested in, and in being involved really on the front end, um, where, you know, writing a, 250 check is actually meaningful, Mm -hmm. um, for a company, but you know, the amount of time that you would take to manage that through a fund is maybe, you know, not your best use of time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, and in terms of like how the structure works and such, um, to be clear, we will likely do a fund, uh, moving forward. Uh, but we've wanted to sort of, while the, the, the industry was really developing, give ourselves flexibility to really be able to lean in with companies where smaller checks would be meaningful and then follow them along so that once we do launch the fund, they're more mature. We have that, you know, seat at the table, whether it's a board seat or just a, you know, firm knowledge of their mm-hmm. data room and cap table um, to kind of then take those positions. Um, so, you know, Poseidon was really early in the space. Sure. Um, and, you know, so they have years in front of us in that respect. Um, and that's true for certain funds and for other funds, it's just, they have access to, to capital and they're just managing right. their intent differently than our, yeah, well, it's, it's just a different strategy, but, yeah. um, thank you. It was a great explanation. Um, and I think it's really important for cannabis people to understand that this model exists outside of cannabis. It's not like big rock said, Oh, like we've got this crazy idea. Like, and and I know because I've done a few of these SPV deals in technology, in cannabis, whatever. Like this is just a tool that you can use. But what I like what you said, because it generally is a precursor. And the way that I was working on it was a precursor to a fund. So you can kind of go to LPs or AKA rich people and say, Hey, like get in a couple of these deals with me. You're going to make money. And then come back and write me a big check and then you don't have to deal with it anymore. Sure. You know, trust me, right? Yeah. Kind of deal. Is it's that? A, it's a feet wet situation for the LPs as yeah. much as it is for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we can be a little bit more flexible with minimums. You know, I like to, I, for me, this space, I don't want it to be the one or 2%, you know, uh, seeing the upside. You know, that's true for entrepreneurs, but that's also true for investors. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, a lot of folks are like, ah, oh, Joyce, you guys are dealing with sometimes twenty-five and $50,000 check sizes. And, you know, on the one hand, I can understand. That you're taking in or that you're writing that out? That we're taking in. Yeah. That we're taking in. Yeah, it's operationally intensive. Yeah. It's operationally intensive, mm-hmm. but on the, on the values side of it and the long term, you know, I mean, first of all, we're picking great deals. Yeah. So, you know, knock wood, like I hope everybody is happy in three or five years mm-hmm. when, you know, things start to actually show their Well, exits. that's the fun thing about this is you don't know. Yeah. No one know, knows, right? You know? like, yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, I hope that, you know, more folks are able to, you know, dip their toe in the water because of the flexibility that firms like us are offering, you know, mm-hmm. to the space. I mean, and also, you know, what companies. is the minimum size check you'll take? 25,000? Yeah. I mean, obviously we subscribe slightly higher minimums, but, um, we have a lot of flexibility and we have a, a great, you know, sort of funnel. Um, so yeah, I mean, 25 is kind of the per deal, like sort yeah. of the, yeah. the minimum. And it's relatively small. Yep. And so there's a lot of fund managers out there that are swallowing hard and like, cause it's, you're also handholding, right? Like right. that person's with you for maybe a decade now, you know, something yeah. like that. I don't know. Eight it, years. Yeah, like, it, it's always going to depend. It's a long, we, we do most of our deals with a five to seven year kind of uh-huh. outlook. And, you know, a lot of folks are starting to put puts in right, the right. term sheet so that, you know, the company has an expectation of when we need that capital to come back yeah, to us. Um, that's smart. So, you know, we, we align the, um, at least the, you know, outlook with the companies so that they have some sort of understanding of, you know, when we would look for that to, to come back and then with the LPs as well. So we talked a little bit about the money side. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what I always thought was the far more fun part, which is the company side. Sure. And I think a lot of people, when they think about venture capital or private equity, they think like, oh, well, I just get to meet with companies and I can evaluate them. And like, it's so much about the money side. But anyway, the surprising thing for me in the cannabis industry currently, and I inappropriately mapped it to the technology industry. Right, a lot of people did. A lot of people did that, right? They thought very intently like, okay, this is how it's going to be, A, B, C, you know, like that's how they mapped it out. And it hasn't been that way. But, but I have been surprised 
there is just a real lack of startups in general. Yeah. And as a result, there's a real lack of angel investors, which is maybe why you found this kind of niche niche. I never know how to say that word, but niche, um, because you can write these fairly small check sizes and they're meaningful still because in other industries you generally have, you know, the, he's been a dentist for 35 years or you've got, you know, a big sort of micro fund that writes a dozen $250,000 checks a year, you know, that kind of thing exists. Like there's a question coming here. Why? Where are the startups in Canvas? Where is this deep innovation that we all were hoping for? I mean, it definitely exists. Um, obviously, there are a lot of companies that have a, a patent path. Um, the problem is, what you know, what exits can we point to to, to show that value? I mean, there's mm-hmm. a couple. Ebu mm-hmm. being the most notable mm-hmm. that would probably come to people's minds. Um, but you know, in terms of like the material effect that it actually has on the industry and, and, you know, driving fine science or driving, you know, true differentiation that the truth of the matter is that doesn't sort of balance with the actual opportunity to, to grab revenue right now, yep. right now. So, yep. you know, when I look at tissue culture companies or like the genetics platform, you know, um, and Phylos is a, is a, uh, they're a portfolio company. So, um, I say this with a grain of salt, but, um, it's a long play mm-hmm. to think about scale in mm-hmm. this industry. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, sort of the micro is not yet speaking to the macro um, in, in most scenarios. So you don't buy this, Elizabeth Warren's going to become president and legalize weed and the industry. We do buy grow. that. But, do. but even if that happens, yeah. we're still talking you know, five to 10 years to actually, Mm -hmm. you know, scale this out, you know, because yes, people have been growing cannabis for forever, Mm -hmm. but they haven't actually been, you know, moving it through a traditional supply chain with a traditional processing, you know, facilitation and traditional, you know, uh, trucks that are actually set up for that byproduct. And Mm so, well, that's the other thing that people got wrong. It's not technology. You need all this infrastructure and labor and all these things that are real, real world, tangible assets. Probably exist in the real world right now, but not through a, you know, non bifurcated, you know, permit structure. And there's just a lot more work than, hey, we bought the domain and, you know, we got AWS and we put up this website and, oh my God, we have traffic, you know, like it's just, it's not the same thing. Yeah. It's just not. So. I want to play a little game. Can we okay. play a little game? Let's do it. I'm going to name one of your portfolio companies, and you tell me what's awesome about them. One sentence. Cool. Okay. First of all, you're in Canacraft? We are. That must have been a pretty early. Um, it, was, it was the first time they started to take in capital. Garden Society. Cannabis meets wine culture. Um, so Aaron Gore, who is the founder of that company, has exited a wine brand um, to Constellation, actually, um, and has just this... To Constellation? Yeah, a very immense network in a region well, that, that we was an easy care though, right? a lot about. <laughs> Kikoko. I love Kikoko. Well, high tea, obviously, is what comes to mind. Yeah. Um, just the best aesthetic in cannabis best aesthetic period yeah i mean their branding the you know they have this page where they list like the history of cannabis it's really really good read highly recommend checking I should out probably their website read that. i just like ripped through it and drank it yeah because i'm that's me uh sava really differentiated integrity focused product curation got it uh phylos you mentioned them the 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 first step for you know tissue culture and and genetics propagation in cannabis they're the they're the ogs of tissue culture got it proposition cocktail company never heard of it a step backwards and forwards all at once it's like you know where where alcohol maybe would have been had cannabis been legalized in 1920s instead of alcohol roshi uh Pharmaceutical grade track and trace, um, Genentech people that are trying to 
figure out if I'm putting 10 ingredients alongside cannabis, how can I manage my supply chain? I want to come back to that one. High times? Uh, media OGs, everybody knows the term high times. Right. Like, it's but kind of different household for your name, right? It is. Um, I like to say that um, instead of BJ, we go with PJ, pre-Joyce. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, high times was... Uh, Sorry, that's really fun. Of a for Joyce or a pre Joyce uh, yeah. decision, but um, and it's almost like a pre roll, which I like too. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so, I mean, you must just be inundated with brands totally. because I don't even ask for brands, and I'm inundated with brands, you right. know. And so, what makes a good brand? How, I mean, there's colors, there's packaging, there's all these things. Which, by the way, I'm not good at this. I know nothing about <laughs> how to build a brand. Sure, but. What makes a good brand? Well, this is why it's so interesting in cannabis because it does go to, you know, IP, which is really your your product itself. And so for us, it's quality. It starts with quality. You know, um, Henry's Original is going to be, you know, the brand I'll use as an example here. But I, I would say this is, you know, true for the companies across the board that we work with. They um, they didn't have a big marketing program at the time that we, you know, started looking at them. We just had spoken to a number of, you know, bud tenders and also farmers because we, we want for the traditional cottage supply chain to stay intact to a certain extent because that's where the innovation with, you know, um, with obviously with nature and, and, and kind of with trying to do something really differentiated is probably going to start more with a cottage farmer, in my opinion, than it may even start with a massive industrial grow. Mm-hmm. Um because scale is, you know, once you get to scale and achieving that, like your appetite towards spending money on R and D is, you know, uh, anyway. So, so concerned with with cash flow. Yeah. You're more concerned with cash flow. So with Henry's, you know, bud tenders were just really responding to, to them as people who had worked in the industry for a long time, but were like super professional and like kind of understood, you know, who they were talking to and how to talk to that person all the way up the supply chain. And, um, it was just authentic, good product Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Um, and, uh, you know, yes, they did put together a good program on the name. And, you know, I actually, when I first met Jamie, he was describing Henry, um, who is basically the farmer that we all know that introduced us all to cannabis. Okay. Um, and I actually thought there was a real Henry. There wasn't. Yeah. I, I, I was gullible for That's a moment. Funny. And I was like, I want to go meet this guy, Henry. Yeah. That's like this, um, this company, they're not paying me, but they give me some weed sometimes. This autumn, you know, autumn brands. Have you heard of yeah, this? Yeah, I have. Okay. So their last name is brands and the daughter's name is autumn. Like That's there's actually right. an like autumn brands. I yeah, think. yeah. Yeah. Um, I find it interesting that when I asked you what makes the best brands, you talked about very businessy executional things right yeah which is cool that that makes sense but i think so often particularly in this industry it's like people are and this is one of the things i love about people in the industry too but they're so whimsical right you know they're like oh well it's the story of this packaging and the hemp roach crutch and you know it's like i blessed it and put the sage around it and everything and i'm like cool but like like, how are you going to get it in stores? You know, like, and so that's interesting that that's the first thing that you said too, which is like, basically what you said is like design and logos and colors. Like those come after. Yeah. That's a quantifiable right. thing that you can gain. You can pay for, right? You right. can buy. Fascinating. I mean, when I, you know, so we have a brand we're going to bring to market, which we'll talk about, but uh, when it comes down to the concept of paying a, you know, marketing agency, $30,000 a month to get something done. Or $80,000. Yeah. It's just like, you know, this industry is so taxed in every, you know, segment that we're trying to work with on the ancillary side and officially and unofficially. You don't think when you call a billboard company as a canvas company, the price doesn't go up. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I don't know. And at the end of the day, you can go get those customers, but we find that most of those customers that are responding to that are not the sticky customers. They're the discount. Uh Like there's exceptions to that rule. If it's like a really compelling, you know, differentiated, but most of the billboards that I say are just like, 
again, going back to the, like, we're all working in cannabis. Cannabis is freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, but (laughs) yeah, yeah. That does not your company make. I try to look at it sometimes as if I didn't like weed because obviously I'm in this. I I don't understand people that are in this industry that don't like weed. I could start there, but if I pretend that I don't and just look at it like a business, like, yeah, I mean the people that are spending a lot of money on billboards, it's no different than spending a bunch of money on AdWords in Google, right? If you can get eyeballs on something, but if what they're looking at, if what their experience isn't actually good, right? Well, then that, Lifetime value to cost of acquisition ratio is not going to work. Totally. And nobody even understands what I talk when I'm talking about when I say cost of acquisition, lifetime value in this industry. And that's why I think to myself, well, you guys are not ready for a lot of money. Right. <laughs> right? That's just the truth. It is. Yeah, it's just the truth. Matt of Arcadian was on the show and we were talking about how all of collectively the funds, they actually don't have that much money. Right. And he was like, well, actually, that's a good thing. They don't need that much money. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, that's, that's smart. That yeah, makes sense. Totally. And, and, you know, as folks in trying to get, you know, new search, uh, you know, or lifted search SEM, what does it do? It's supposed to, if it's working, it, it raises your SEO value so that, you know, over time, your SEM yeah. goes down organically and your SEO mm-hmm. goes up mm-hmm. and, you know, there's not really an equivocal. Very good point. Very good point. And they're not even like collecting emails in a lot of cases. Like yeah. they they have no loop. There's no right. ROI of any kind, no metric, which yeah. is. I wanted to talk about, you know, um, the, the sort of looking at a cap table and, um, you know, what, what LPs and investors and, and companies should really be mindful of like when they're thinking about taking in capital or when they're co-investing alongside groups. So I think back in the day, a lot of, um, a lot of companies were really scared about letting people into their data rooms. You know, it was kind of like, unless you're writing a massive size check, like you don't get to see behind the curtain. Right. And, um, you know, there've been some pretty egregious examples we need to understand that Big Brother is watching, that you don't know that the person that you're talking to isn't, you know, maybe trying to scrutinize the situation in mm-hmm. a way that, you know, I, I think. No, having, they, they are trying to do that. Yeah. They're That's trying, like kind of the, their job. Right. In a weird kind of way, it sounds unethical, but it's really like, we've got to think about it like a lawyer, right? Like this is your client. Your duty is to defend yeah. them and represent them. And that doesn't mean they're lying, but statistics are just one of those yeah. crazy things. And data is one of those crazy. I think that's what you're saying, right? Well, yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is right now, here we are all in, engaged in, I think, the impeachment hearings in the Senate start today. Like literally this moment. Right now. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the word, the man, Rudy Giuliani, will be referenced ad nauseum over the next 24 hours. Yeah. And Ukrainian consultants that he worked with have invested in cannabis companies that we know. And I don't really want to be on a cap table with those companies because what's going to happen to every single person that's on that cap table if one bad player is on that cap table is the company probably will get their permit revoked. Yeah. And then Got it. maybe you transition some way, shape, or form. But, you know, it's crazy that here we are in California and the, the nature of the frenzy, um, you know, to me, like, the net sum of the, the frenzy and the shit show is that literally some people that I know happen to share a cap table with like right. Russian mobsters. But see, this is the tricky part about big business and high finance is at the top, it's actually a very small group of people. And that's why you see all the big tobacco stuff, right? Right. It's not like big tobacco is coming into cannabis. It's just that the people pulling the strings at the top yeah, so maybe, are in everything. Maybe you know? To, to, you know, the Matt point in terms of there not being that much capital, like is having that visibility and maybe like being a, a little bit more conditioned, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and tempered in, in our path forward yeah. maybe is a good thing. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, Look, cap I, I, tables are really important, and it's something that I think, particularly first-time founders, don't think about. Yeah, there's such this rush, this pressure, and a lot of this comes from venture capitalists, by the way. But to get it done, to get to the next growth stage, to hit the KPI, don't sleep. 
you know, we got to get there. You know, time's running out. The cannabis window's closing. You know, all the permits are gone. <laughs> this is what investors tell founders all the time, yeah. right? And so they don't sleep. They're super wired. And then they make stupid decisions. Uh, you talked specifically about the equity positions, but all these companies have a ton of debt now. Right. And how many of these founders legitimately understand uh, waterfalls and cash flow and liquidity events well enough to understand that if they give up, if they take on so much debt, their equity actually may be worth nothing. Right. And I don't think that that analysis is happening that much, even at the highest levels. I mean, look what's going on with MedMen. Or should be med people, but that's a different story, right? <laughs> but what's going on with men? Men, they just keep taking on more and more debt. And the founders, I mean, do they even own any anymore? Like they can't. They, right. It's got to be worth nothing, you know. And so, and then what happens is you have the guys that come in as the third round of capital from New York or wherever that don't know anything about weed, but they've just got this. I, I talk to people all the time now. You must too. They're like, well, shit's getting cheap now, right? Yeah. Let's Just go. You ready to go, you know? Yeah. And yeah. like, look, if you're an investor, that's compelling. But if you're a consumer, is that a good thing? I'm not sure. And, you know, to your point, I have friends that have companies that are probably facing a down round and I don't know when they surmised, you know, probably egregious valuations if they were really, you know, thinking forward to what that day would look like. They didn't know. In advance of actually, you know, a lot of these deals were struck late 2017, early 2018, when, like, we didn't really know how many stores would be open on January 1st, 2018. That's part of it. And the data in this industry is culpable. I believe that. Oh, totally. But I think further than that, it's really the inexperience of the investors at that stage too, because any disciplined investor or the values of the investor, you know, but, but yeah, but wanting I mean, to gobble that company. Yeah. But who's, who's setting these valuations, right? Like any investor sure. knows that the next round has to be up, right? That's the only way that it works, right? The next round's always got to be up. And if it's up a little bit, Okay, if it's up a lot, great. We're going to put more money in. It's literally the game is that simple, you know? Yeah. And the tricky part is getting the money. The game is that simple, although, is that simple, although the game is also the company surviving until federal legalization. That's the game in cannabis. So even if you have a down round, okay. hypothetically. So let me ask you this question then. You obviously have companies in the portfolio today yeah. that are struggling. Sure. Probably more than a couple. If I, you know, the industry yeah. is is cratering sure. at the moment, right? What do you tell them? I, I guess the entire industry. So we can just go ahead and say all of them in some way. Oh, not your form. portfolio. Yeah, I, I mean yeah, yeah. across the industry. So, yeah, like, totally. Everybody is hurting, right? Yeah. Um, we use a lot of happy talk in this industry, but really we're failing. That's really the answer. We're failing. The government is failing us. Um, every investor and founder, no matter their best intentions, we're all failing. Yep. We just are. Um, and we're going to see whether the people, the culture of cannabis can be the business of cannabis. Yep. Not sure yet. Um, but the reason that I was asking this question is you are in the business of small brands. Can you effectively sell these brands? Yeah. To these big guys? Well, that's to, the end game. To here, be clear, right? brands and the surrounding technology and IP. Okay. Our, our okay. most recent check was for Vertosa, which is kind of powering a lot of the brands. Well, we sure can talk about Vertosa if you yeah. want, but everybody on this show, on the knows show already about knows. Though, so go back yeah. a few chapters. Ben's here. the homie. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but my answer to the question is what we tell founders is you need to every month chip away at your burn. Uh -huh. And if you can get to a cash flow positive position outlook within calendar year 2020 uh -huh. and have defensibility to keep it there moving forward, we think that that will be a favorable outcome. Um, so survive until we know what to do. Survive in order to thrive, right. Well, but thrive, I mean, uh, the only thrive for a little brand is basically to either be a little brand or get acquired and sure. have the platform of a bigger brand. Right? Yeah. So, so let me talk about our ecosystem and how yeah. we would hope to, you know, start to strategize on what some exits could look like. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have, um, a farm ourselves. Um, we 
got the first conditional use permit granted in Sonoma County, which is why I missed one of our interviews. One of our dates, On yeah. September 30th, uh, it was almost a three-year process. There are now 42 groups that I'm aware of behind us that all have been appealed. So we were the only, so far the only ones to get a, a full permit. There are grandfathered grows. But you 10, have to be feet. the most organized applicant. Oh, absolutely. There's I mean, no that's question. why they put us first, I th- we yeah. think, you know, because yeah. they were like, if this isn't going <laughs> to pass through the, the yeah. zoning board and the supervisor is no like, one is. we're in trouble. Yeah. Well, and from a PR perspective, like you guys are yeah. a thing, you know, yeah. it's easier. So the project we're, we're calling Sonoma Hills Farm, and um, we've just hired Thomas Keller's farmer. Very His name cool. is Aaron Kiefer. Very cool. Um, so he's 10 years been helping Thomas grow the most beautiful vegetables in the world, and he also um, has been on the side working in the Cannabis 215 for many, many, many years, okay. and he's a very modest, kind, um, hardworking, you know, just great dude, so... We're blessed. Um, we've also been working with a guy named Sam Magruder um, for a long time on the project. So what we tend to do, we're like, there's two partners at Big Rock, and then we have four support staff. And then we, when we move forward with a project that we're putting all pretty much all the capital behind, you know, we we choose like a, a lead for that project. Mm-hmm. Um, so Aaron and then and then Sam have been kind of positioned there, and so. Um, we're going to own majority of that. Yes, we will raise for it, but we're not going to sell, you know, majority stake. We're going to hold on to it. And, you know, if flower continues to actually, you know, have a a market share, which a lot of folks are saying, Oh, the bottom, the, you know, market's going to bottom out. Well, it's hard to actually produce good cannabis. Sure is. And people are, you know, spending a lot of money to learn that. Um, we're going to spend some money, but we're going to work with folks that have done it for a long time mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. we think will do well with it. Um, and so, you know, we believe there's an opportunity for us to gel forward, you know, a private equity model where we could actually start to work more in Hold a partnership me. setting with some of our companies. Okay, I see. So the pitch to the companies is that this is a platform for you. Our cannabis is going to go into your products, at least in some at some yeah. scale. We believe that we've been working with some of the best operators in the space and the best operators are going to figure out how to pivot their companies to, to, you know, survive and thrive. And in terms of, you know, what that's going to look like for their cap tables and their investors, we having been investors are going to be thoughtful and sympathetic and interested in making sure that those investors are also, mm-hmm. you know, involved and have a seat at the table. And my best guess is that if it comes down to it and in a couple of years, there's not an obvious exit strategy for some of these commodity based companies, um, then groups like us and others, um, you know, I like to say that there's going to be sort of, you know, regional mergers and acquisitions, um, consolidation. In, yeah consolidation for talent but, but with, are they actually going to make any their money? own communities as opposed uh-huh. to msos coming in right 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 yeah are I mean, they going to make any money yeah. i would hope that i mean the way that cannabis has sort of always cash flowed from gross to net income you know and all the cogs and taxes that come in between those two layers is hopefully everybody's making a decent salary you know obviously founders need to sacrifice that until their company achieves cash flow but once you do, hopefully. But see, I think this gets back to the heart of what you said, which is it's awesome to be in the weed industry. And I totally agree. Um, and so for a lot of folks, what you just said works. Hey, I make a pretty nice salary. I like my lifestyle. I believe in what I, I do. I get a dividend from I my get a dividend, whatever. Firm. I'm good. Yeah. But there are a lot of people that have invested a lot of money. Right not expecting that kind of outcome, right. right? That's what I would call a lifestyle business, maybe a big lifestyle business, but yeah. still a lifestyle business. You know, it's like a, a larger scale vineyard, right? Sure. That's what it is. But if you're putting money into Robert Mondavi, you don't expect to have one and a half X returns. Right. So what's going to happen here? All these folks that have dedicated hundreds of millions of dollars to California now. I hope that they invested in venture deals instead of private equity deals. Right. You know, but they didn't. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. It's so fascinating. Yeah. I love it. Everybody says there's no dumb money. How, how is that not dumb money? But. It's, 
I, I think it's hopeful money more than it's smart money. Wishful thinking. It's yeah. wishful thinking. Yeah. We've got the best weed. We've got the best cultivator. Right? It's yeah. it's a lot of arrogance like that. I know. I get on my pedestal, but No, I mean people tell me a lot of stupid things, you know. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, like a lot of people have done some silly things in this space and both on the investor side and on, you know, the companies that are taking in capital and um it's um it's fascinating. Um, you know, and I, I guess what I would say is, is the LPs that seem to be attracted to us. It's not just about the end result of them making money. That's important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we certainly are, I think for those that we've corralled, you know, into deals alongside us, um, that are proven, we feel defensible that there's going to be a good outcome. But in addition to that, you know, proximity to really awesome experiences is what big rock is trying to, mm -hmm. to offer the world. We cool. have a co-working space. We do parties it's all beautiful. the time. We work with I amazing I used to go there chefs. all the time. Then I moved to LA. But yeah, yeah. I like being in your space. Thank it's you. really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Our event person is like the best. She does the most unique parties and you know, people come to us and say like, Hey, you know, do the our parties party. are amazing. Yeah. Figure out how to, yeah. you know, so, um, are you working on anything like that? Are you working on any events or anything upcoming? Yeah. So we've, you know, the last couple of years have been us trying to figure out our purpose forward, knowing that we wanted this permit to uh -huh. land, but uh -huh. having it flail and take forever. Yeah. So the certainty was just wasn't there. And now that we have the certainty that yes, we are going to march forward and, and bring that project to life, um, which will, you know, sort of sit in the, we call it cannabis, kale and cucumbers Okay. or cucumbers, kale and cannabis. Uh -huh. One of those two we'll see is the tagline. Um, and so we're going to sit in high culinary and, and sort of environment within the space, uh, where a lot of companies sit vape and flower, where more flower meets food and beverage. Cool. Um, and so, yeah, you, I, we've done a lot more sort of like open facing community facing events. And I think for the first chunk of this year, it's going to be a little bit more private curated, um, to kind of focus on getting that project up and running. But from there, um, I'd say the back half of this year, we, we probably do an event once every two months. Um, the more recent ones, we hosted a um, fundraiser for Last Prisoner Project mm -hmm. alongside our good friends at New West Summit and, and uh, the Canacraft folks and Bob Hoban. Um, we uh, helped Connor Global when they did their first uh, San Francisco event. They, they helped sort of bridge capital into the space as well. Um, we did an event around that. So we try and piggyback. So you could expect like a Hall of Flowers or, you know, High Times Cup or you know, um, something that's happening in our environment, we'd probably, you mm -hmm. know, piggyback on that. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll continue to do that. And, uh, you know, Sonoma Hills farm, as it comes to life, our goal is to like have, we can't have a cannabis tourism model per se yet, mm -hmm. but we have a lot of good friends, Emerald County tours, Brian Applegarth's a good friend. Um, uh, Jared G I'm going to say his wrong, name wrong. Geomana from uh, Sonoma County Experiences is a good friend. Um, you know, we're... Hey, you're the shit, Joyce. I, you know, everybody. We're going to try and... Everybody's your friend. Bring really, really cool things. I, I honestly... To life. There's a lot of mud that gets slinged in this industry. I've never heard one person say one bad word about you. That's so nice. And as an investor, that's crazy. <laughs> Seriously, because I've been the investor. I've been around a lot of investors and seriously, not one bad word um, has ever been said about you, at least to me anyway. Maybe they're all hiding it from me. Um, well, this has been I really think the fun. the same is probably true for Mike. He's We're cut from the same cloth. He's yeah, Mike's cool too. Person. Mike's the man. Um, the other one thing I wanted to plug um, yeah. is um, the Craft Cannabis Alliance. Uh-huh. So Big Rock, you know, does try and support, you know, certain advocacy organizations um, trying to put our money where our mouth is in terms of what we want the impact to be outside of California. While we are focused holistically here on, you know, putting capital to work in these companies, we got to all think past that. And, um, you know, I think what's really happening in America is access to cannabis is born from California mm -hmm. and it's just ridiculous that legislators wouldn't actually acknowledge that and, you know, realize that when you go live in a place like Illinois or Massachusetts, you're going to run out of weed mm -hmm. after a week <laughs> <laughs> and they don't really know how to grow the best weed. It's going right. to take them years 
and years and years to catch up. And we're going to be putting a lot of money to work in building, you know, indoor facilities that are not environmentally. So I, you know, I had a conversation with um, Aaron Kiefer, who our, our new farmer, I'm from Georgia. Whenever I go home to Georgia, I go to this amazing place called the DeKalb Farmer's Market. Um, hopefully Georgia keeps allowing refugee resettlement. That's a big question right now, but, okay. uh, it's Jimmy Carter, um, accepted a lot of refugees after his presidential term under the Clinton administration. And it's one of the top three refugee relocation environments in the country. And this market is amazing. If you're in Atlanta, go to the DeKalb farmer's market, only refugees and immigrants work there. And they have, you know, everything is, um, all of the produce, all of the wine, everything shows its origin where it came from. And they buy stuff from all over the world. Cool. The U.S. section and the amount of produce that comes from California, which is, by the way, cheaper there than it is at my grocery store in mm-hmm. San Francisco, mm-hmm. 70% is my best guess as to how much produce comes from. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Mean- we're feeding the whole country yeah. all the time. So when I think about and I ask the question, why is Georgia not going to be able to produce lettuce uh, or cannabis? You know, the answer is the soil. It's red clay. They have monstrous rain in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, all the way up to, you know, New York State, there's a lot of, you know, rock in the soil. And, and just traditional ag people understand mm-hmm. that. And I'm not saying that all cannabis needs to be grown inside, um, outside, but even inside, we're talking about environmental factors, which can be very expensive yeah. for heating, cooling, ventilation, all these things, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a reason that things are grown where they're grown. Totally. <laughs> right? I mean, that's just the truth. Well, and furthermore, like we've, we hinted at this, but whether it's going to gravitate more towards the equator in the future. Totally. Because it is better. That's what happened with the fresh cut flower industry, right? Yeah. It all gravitated Ecuador. down there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so the Craft Cannabis Alliance, um, they were able to get an export bill passed in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say, hey, we want to export to California, our, our glutton of weed. It's um, they need a partner that will accept it as an import. And Adam Smith, it's a hilarious that that's his name, you know, yeah. one of our founding fathers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he's a guy who's been working in policy for a really long time, and, and he was instrumental in getting that bill passed in Oregon. So we're, we're trying to support him in doing the same thing in California. California and Colorado, mm-hmm. and then he'll he'll try and get Washington involved to say this is the this is what the legal market has evolved into. We have uh, the you know export to fill your import needs, um, and to set a treaty forward with you know locally locally at the tri-state level mm-hmm. um, to say once you know New York does go live or hey Massachusetts you need a partner now because you don't have enough weed. Um, and his, his concept is via the trains so that if we get a new attorney general that would be friendly to it, you know, they just, uh, basically pass a little, not, apparently it wouldn't be a really, you know, grand gesture for them to just say, we're going to let this transfer on the trains. Got it. And then all of a sudden, all of our companies have a huge new, you know, audience. So craft cannabis Alliance, uh, we're like that trying to be helpful there. That's very cool. I love to hear about the person behind the business, behind the work. Um, so we're going to start with like, at the end of the day, what kind of cannabis consumer are you? Like, do you like flowers? Are you a turp hound? Like, what are you into? I like unique and exotic flowers. Okay. Um, I like a profile that, you know, smells amazing and um, has like a different node you know, so it's not necessarily, I'm not actually like the type of person that can just strain drop names, you know, but, um, I like something that is not, you know, crazy mainstream. And we are, we, I I say we, I can unabashedly say that our group is really invested in in the flower. In what kind of vein do you like indoor? Do you like outdoor sativas, indicas, as much as that makes any sense? I like all of it. If, if done in, um, you know, sort of a, clean format a lot of the indoor stuff that i visited and experienced in the mid you know 2010 ranges just as a you know friend of folks in in the community um i would never want to eat a tomato that came out of some of those places yeah and so the new you know the legal market is obviously very different and so i i i can say that there's plenty of great indoor grows yeah Yeah. but um 
some of the stuff that you maybe would buy not um in the illicit market like or semi-illicit i'm a little yeah. Some of it's fantastic, but some of it's great. Yeah. yeah. I, although I, I don't buy from the illicit market anymore. I think we all need to put our money where our mouth is. We do. And, we didn't talk about know. the black market because I talk about it on every episode, yeah. but it's a problem. Buy legal weed. If you buy a lot of weed, look up Flower Co. That's a great company. You'll save a lot of money uh, if you smoke a lot of weed. Um, they don't pay me either, but <laughs> they should. Ted, Tony. Um, so, oh, other stuff. When you're not working, what do you like to read? What's your favorite when book I'm that not you working. gift or your Fact favorite it's most impactful book in your life? However you want to answer the question. Yeah, um, I do read. I read a lot of political books. Uh-huh. Like literally the last books I've read were Valerie Jarrett's Michelle Obama and um, okay. uh, Kamala Harris. <laughs> wow, look at you. <laughs> I know. But right now I'm reading, and um, this will soon become a gift that I give to every 12-year-old, Gutsy Women, uh, written by Hillary and Chelsea. Okay. Uh, it's basically like kind of going the history of how women have helped to, you know, form our globe but not getting credit for it. Uh-huh. It's, it's a really good read. Interesting. So I read a lot of aspirational political you know, yeah. stuff. And then I spend a lot of time um, – in wine country and in um, the Russian River area, mm-hmm. I'm a water baby. I, I grew up in Georgia. I love to swim, and so my wife and I um, have been renovating a house uh, outside of Guerneville for like oh. five years. It's taken forever, but it's finally there. And I love to cook, um, so I, I and and bake. You know, I, what's your best every dish? night? What do you I cook go home best? and I make I make food. You know, you I cook do every night. I would say four out of. Do you want to marry me? I know you're married, <laughs> but that's amazing. Yeah, my wife is. We could like very skip lucky. all the sex and everything. You could just make dinner yeah. and all roll some joints. Totally. Sounds good. You right? can be my, um, you know, uh, work friendly husband. I'm gay, so it would be I, a little. I know you're gay. That's that's why I said it. You said wife, yeah, so yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, that's what I'm saying. I think yeah. it could work, you know, because yeah. it's like not. Totally. Anyway, what do I like to cook the most? You know, that's that's such a good question. Um, I cook so many different things. I would say my favorite type of food is Thai food. So I like wow. to make Thai food the best. I love a Penang curry. Mm, so yeah, good. They are so good. What about baking? What do you bake? Um, I bake the meanest apple pie anyone will ever eat, which basically requires not just baking, but also like you know simmering. Mm-hmm simmer the apples for like 12 hours in alcohol and brown sugar and you know boil them down and then and then bake them see i just don't have the patience for that yeah sometimes i work i don't have the right facilities i need to upgrade our stove and such but yeah that's we have let's see on on our property we have 12 fruit trees and one thing that gives me massive anxiety is getting to the property and seeing all of the apples on the ground yeah freaking hate that yeah my parents have trees like that and it happens to they don't have like a lot of land they live in newport beach but they you know they have like a lemon tree and avocados and shit and you know they're just like on the ground it's amazing how much waste we engage and actually this can go back to cannabis because i was just reading you know hemp just like we had a huge harvest of hemp across the nation yep. and 48% of it like rotted because there's not enough processing <laughs> facilities for it. That is the most cannabis thing I've ever heard. I think like just, like, yeah. you guys are just not, you didn't plan well, clearly. God. Wow. So I want to get out of here on this. There's a lot of entrepreneurs and what I call entrepreneurs mm-hmm. affectionately. That listen to this show. Yeah. You've met with so many companies. You've seen so many things in the industry. Give just a little bit of advice. You know, like what what should they, or red flags, what should they not do? However you want to structure it. Give them a little bit of something. Yeah. So I think here we are somewhat, you know, now in the second phase or on second base of the cannabis industry. So if you're not coming into the industry with some you know really differentiated or sort of special um experience baseline then creating a company um and forming a company you need to be looking to a new market to Mm. do so Mm. and or 
um, you need to be looking at doing something totally differentiated. Another line of, you know, pre-rolls or another line of mints or gummies or, you know, these or just types a of cultivator, products. right? Yeah. Well, cultivation is a little different, um, you know, from an entrepreneurial perspective. In that respect, it's like if you're just buying land and you want to, you know, sell through to Flocana or to Henry's. Yeah, but they've got to raise money to do it. That's the problem, right? Well, yeah. How, how do you start? I don't think a cultivator should be raising money per se. They should be but, putting their own money. But there in. is a lot of folks yeah. walking around yeah. with that, right? Yeah. Anyway, this was your moment. I tell people <laughs> that are, you know trying to come into the industry that haven't already been engaged in it, we'll go get a job. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't try and start your own Like business. any industry. Yeah. The, the other thing that I would tell entrepreneurs is um, at this stage in the game, um, you have enough ability to access, you know, paperwork, research. Um, there are a lot of other entrepreneurs that are totally happy to talk to you. Um, so I think there were a lot of misnomers about how, how, to paper a deal two, three years ago, you shouldn't have that misnomer anymore. You should understand if you're a commodity-based organization, what the investor is going to be looking for versus if you are building a new technology or a platform or a market. Do your homework. Yeah. That's basically what you said. and, And also, you know, a lot of folks say like, you know, it's a no or a yes, but, um, and I've kind of had this rub with a couple of companies. Um, you know, a lot of investors want to like watch things over time. So, you know, be communicative, but not in like a, um, really direct overwhelming kind of way, you know, monthly email update. I would do, I would do a monthly to those that you're trying to. How often do you touch each one of your portfolio companies? Um, we have some quite passive relationships with some of the companies. Some of the bigger ones, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, actually, Canacraft, I, I, I'm very involved with uh-huh. with them. So, um, we engage with our companies on a monthly basis. Okay. In terms of, you know, sort of actually going through the quarterly review process or the review process, we try and do that quarterly. And I have an analyst who helps me with that, which is amazing. So, I know several of your investments. Yep. Uh, are hurting. Okay. And you know who they are. You, sure. you know the deal. Give not just them, but more broadly, a little bit of advice for someone that is in the second yeah. inning. Of so Canada's. I want to be clear in terms of the hurting. Um, the companies that we're working with um, that, that you named are actually all producing enough revenue to keep the lights on. Yep. So okay. they may be hurting in that some of their competitors have been able to raise a lot more money but maybe don't have the same revenue. Well, I I should be clear rather than just hurting. There are really tough times in cannabis. So they're firing people. Sure. They're worrying about the next month. They don't have the cash reserves that a company of their stage. So I think that the struggle is that everybody was focused on growth and investment wasn't supporting that. Mm -hmm. So now everybody has to be focused on profitability. Mm -hmm. So they had hired uh, pretty much all of them off the top of my head that I can think of in Too our much. portfolio. They had overhired for this promise of growth. Yeah. And when it was clear that California wasn't going to open up enough retail outlets and that there just weren't enough customers, it's it's a reset. So these companies are not going to go out of business. Mm-hmm. The good news is, you know, from an investor perspective, you know, most of them have, you know, flexible models so that they can, you know, facilitate shifting their values. As they should, yeah. As they should. Um, well, yeah, look, I I don't like to demonize the investor, right? Like, it is a business deal every time. Every check that gets written is a new deal, yeah. right? It just is. And right. it's evaluated differently. Um, and what I hear from you is you're working with every company you can to make it work. Yep. And I think as a founder or someone that's thinking about being a founder or coming to Big Rock, that's all you can ask, right? right. It's like, look, I don't see the future. I don't have unlimited money. I'm just here because I'm going to help you, you know? Yeah. 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 You can't keep coming back to, you know, daddy or mommy and, you know, once, right. once you graduate from high school, which I think we all have, like, there may be something, tidbits here and there, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you got to learn to to sail and fly yourself unless you come back with an amazing new opportunity in which case capital always finds great opportunities exactly always yeah 
Joyce, this has been such a pleasure. Thank it's you, always Brandon. So I'm so happy to finally do for it. Having you on. And, um, you know, there's a handful of people that are doing this the right way. And I think you guys are doing it the right way. I think the syndicate model is hard. Yeah. I did it. I know how hard it is, but I do think there is a viable path in this industry for that. And a lot of people that just still aren't comfortable writing a big passive check. And so filling that role, I think is important. It's why I set out to do it for, for a time, but, um, so fun. Thank you for being yeah. here. You ever watch the show Jesus and Miro on Showtime? No. Okay, so Jesus and Miro is a hilarious. They started with a podcast. Now they have a late night show, and it's on Showtime. Cool. And it's just, but it's like the most casual late night show you've ever seen. Nice. I just got a Showtime subscription. Check it out. You're yeah. gonna love it. They're both from um, from the Bronx, and like they were like heavy oh, New nice. York accent. They're hilarious. But anyway, they when they have guests on, and I've stolen this from them patently, they say. Every bodega has neon signs above it, right? Yeah. If you had to have a neon sign follow you around for the rest of your life above your head, what would your neon sign say? It would say weed lady with love. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Weed yeah. lady with love. I call myself the weed lady of, of Big Rock, but it's not just weed without, you know, a little bit of love. So, with a little and I bit actually, I don't really love the term weed, but it's cool. It, it is what it is. It's not as bad as some I of the other cannabis, ones. but yeah. you know, yeah. people call it weed. It's fine. Well, they have their, they have their place. Both yeah. have their place. Yeah. yeah. Just like booze, right? Yeah. Booze has its place totally. sometimes. And like cannabis, it doesn't like, it's scientific. It's not, it's know? not like something for, for a headline as much as well, you look, know, I, like Instagram would require. I invest in cannabis, but I smoke weed. Yeah. Right. It's just like, I don't know. Yeah, so. I like it. <laughs> All right. If I was like fancy, I would actually do that. But I won't. So. <laughs> Joyce, it's been fun. Thanks for listening. We're probably at like an hour and a half, but it was worth it. Thanks, buddy. See you next time. Cheers. <laughs>